I also find it interesting that God uses us. Because He doesn't have to. God doesn't need any help to do anything. He can do whatever He wants. But He made the universe. He made the world. And then He delegated power to people. He told Adam and Eve, you're in charge. Take care of the, the world and have kids and rule over the earth. And Then when Jesus taught His disciples, He said, alright, you guys are in charge now. I give you the authority. I have all the authority and I'm passing it to you. Go and make disciples. Transform the world. So God uses us. He doesn't have to, but He wants to. He wants you to be a part of His ministry and a part of building His kingdom. And that's just an awesome thing to think of. So I hope you're encouraged today. We are going, we're back in Matthew again after we took our little break for um, the Palm Sunday and for Easter. And we're, and I think it's, I don't know about you, I hope you have been enjoying it. I think Matthew is a fascinating book. And he's, he's brilliantly using Old Testament references. The reason Matthew is the first book in the Bible is because it connects us of the New Testament because it connects us so well with the Old Testament. And so he's using that, and he's um, referencing his own experiences with Jesus, because he was with Jesus as a disciple. And he uses all of this stuff, the the Old Testament, the the prophecy, and the things that Jesus did to paint a picture, a portrait of who Jesus is. And every story kind of adds to that portrait and, and fills it out. And ties everything together and he ties the prophets together and Christ's life and his teaching and he's explaining to us what what who Jesus is I don't know have you ever tried explaining something to someone and you felt like you couldn't get anywhere like you're talking to a brick wall we've probably all been in that boat and I was recently trying to explain to my wife why the moon or that the moon is in a different place in the sky at the same time every day. So if you, you, know, if you look up at midnight, every day the moon is going to be in a different spot because it, rotate, it, it orbits around the world. And so every night it's at a slightly different spot at the same time. And you know, one week you might see it in the middle of the sky at midnight, and then a couple weeks later you won't see it at all because it's on the other side of the world. And she just could not grasp it because the sun is always in the same place. You know, At noon it's high in the sky. But the moon is not, and, and she just would not accept it, and she thought I was nuts. So if you're trying to <laughs> So if you're trying to explain something to somebody and they're just not getting it, or, or at what point like how long do you keep trying? And at what point do you just give up? Uh, but we've probably all seen videos of kids who didn't listen to their parents, because parents are always telling you, you know, your kids. Don't climb on that. Don't put your hand in that. Don't play with this. And, and they, they don't seem to listen. So they wind up stuck in something or covered with paint or flour or makeup. And we've all seen the videos. And they're kind of funny because at some point those parents decided, I give up. I'm not going to try to explain again. I'm just going to get my phone and put this on YouTube and show the world that my children are crazy people. And children are crazy people because I'm sure I've told my kids about a hundred times that the stairway is not a safe place to play. And I don't think they believe me because they continue to play on the stairs. In fact, we had a certain six-year-old, I won't say who, but he decided to wrap himself up in a laundry bag and roll down the steps. (laughs) And I still don't know if he's learned yet that the stairs are not a safe place to play. But if people are not willing to believe you, there's only so much you can do to help them. 
I mean, you can try to teach a lesson, you can try to explain something, but if they refuse to listen, like you can't force them to believe. They have to come to a point where they either they choose to believe you or they find themselves in an out-of-control spiral down the stairs. And, and remember, Jesus told the story of, of there was a rich man who was well-fed and well-dressed and always taken care of, and then a poor man named Lazarus. And they both died, and the rich man wound up in torment because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to, and Lazarus went into the bosom of Abraham. And so the rich guy is saying, you know, send Lazarus to just put a drop of water in my tongue. I'm just in suffering and in agony. And he says, sorry, there's, this, there, there's a chasm. You can't go between the two places. And he says, well, send him to go talk to my brothers. I've got five brothers. They're still alive, and I don't want them to wind up where I am. They need to change their lives. So send Lazarus. And Jesus says, no, they've got Moses and the prophets. They've got the law and the, and the Old Testament, the Bible. Let them read the Bible. That'll tell them how they're supposed to live. And he says, yeah, but they they have that. They won't get it. If, but if somebody rises from the dead, they'll get that. And Jesus says, no. Actually, this is what he says in Luke sixteen thirty one. He replied to him, if they do not respond to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if somebody rises from the dead. Which is interesting to think about. That you know, we we all choose whether or not to accept the truth. It's not a matter of the evidence or miracles, or anything like that. It's a matter of faith. We either Our faith is we choose to believe God or we choose not to. There's plenty of evidence for God. I mean, if you want evidence, there are there is tons of evidence for the existence of God and for the, the, the reality of Jesus and His death and His resurrection. We've got eyewitness accounts and tons of research. The fact that there is a universe rather than nothing should point us to the fact that there's a God because the Everybody, all the scientists agree that the, the universe started at some point. What made it start? Nothing can't create anything. So what brought us here? So there's, I mean, if you really want the evidence, there is plenty of evidence for God and for Jesus. And, and, there's, and we see miracles all the time. But the, the choice of whether to believe or not is in our hands. We choose whether to accept the truth or not. And if people don't want to accept the truth, well, God can't really help him much. And we've been going through these, these stories in Matthew and about some, uh, Jesus does amazing things in these stories. You know, he calms the storm at sea and he heals people. And, and it's mind-blowing what the things he can do. And you might have noticed that we, we see the, 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 the stories that Matthew has, has put together, he's chosen to tell, because I'm sure there were a whole lot more stories that he saw, but the ones that he chose to put in his gospel, we see this same kind of, process a pattern played out in how jesus interacts with people and there's usually you see some sort of problem arises and jesus does something mind-blowing to solve the problem and and people are amazed and transformed and and you see that it's kind of like you you see the same thing on tv too if you ever watch a regular show like a drama when i was a kid i liked the a-team and it was the same show every week like there was the same pattern that happened there would be some sort of crisis on the show every episode and there was usually a good guy who you know somebody who who didn't have much power or or, you know money or whatever and there was somebody that was bullying them a bad guy who was you know either taking their money or, or pushing them into whatever they wanted to do and they so they would somehow get in touch with the a team 
So the A-team would show up and they'd usually build some sort of elaborate trap for the bad guys and there would be millions of bullets fired every episode. Nobody ever died. You, know, you might get shot in the arm or the leg, but nobody ever died, which is why I was able to convince my parents to let me watch it. I think I've told the story before. My mom loved Murder, She Wrote. So we'd watch Murder, She Wrote. And I said, somebody dies every episode of Murder, She Wrote. And Jessica Fletcher happens to be there every time, which makes me very suspicious of her. But the A-team, nobody ever dies. I mean, yeah, they shoot a lot of bullets, but nobody's ever really killed, so it's not that bad. So I got to watch the A-team. And the A-team, every week, would stop the bad guys. They'd catch them, or they'd get them arrested by the police, or whatever. And so they would help the person, the little guy, out of their problem by stopping the bad guys. And it was the same pattern. And Matthew has shown us, he's put together a bunch of stories of, of the, the things that Jesus taught, the things that he did, and there's, there's the, the same reaction. Well, he does, he's, there's a problem, some sort of crisis, a storm at sea, somebody's blind or, or, or dying or dead, and Jesus does something amazing, some sort of miracle, and we see, depending on who's watching him do this, we see certain kinds of reactions from different people. And it's the same kind of reactions. The, some people are changed, they're transformed, or, or they're totally healed. Some people are, are awed by what they watch, by these miracles that Jesus is doing. And some people see him do miracles, but they remain in total denial about who he is. But every story that Matthew shows us reveals something about who Jesus is and what kind of heart and character he has. And if you've ever had, do you, you ever remember those old calendars where every day you take off a piece and it uncovers a bigger picture underneath? I, I used to have those as a kid. And at the end of the month, you revealed the whole picture. And Matthew's, it, it's kind of, it seems like he's doing that. At the, the kind of stories that he's telling, everyone reveals a little bit more about what kind of a, a person Jesus is. And he's not only showing who Jesus is, he's also helping to reveal who we are by what we think of what we see and how the, we, we get to see how people react in the stories, but we also kind of see how we react to what we learn about Jesus. And we have, there's two, middle, two more little stories left to go of what Jesus is doing before we kind of shift gears. And we're going to look at them both today. And they are kind of the last pieces that we take off of the picture. So we get this picture that Matthew's painting. And one story is about some blind men who, who get healed, and another story is about a mute man. And both of these people, groups of people, will meet Jesus, and Jesus will do something awesome in both situations, and then we get to see how people react. And so we learn more about the kind of person Jesus is by what he does, but we also get to see how these different people respond to what Jesus does, which can actually help us to learn more about who we are and, and what our faith is. So story number one is, is our scripture for the day at Matthew 9, 27. And it says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, shouting, Have mercy on us, son of David! And when he went in the house, the, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes saying, let it be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. Then Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about this, but they went out and they spread the news about him throughout the entire region. They didn't listen very well, did they? They healed them and said, don't tell anybody. But 
but they were just healed of blindness, which is amazing. I mean, it's, I can imagine, if I had been blind and someone touched my eyes and I could see again, I would definitely have a hard time keeping quiet about it. So I don't blame them for that. I understand that. But the re- that's not the interesting part. The really interesting part of this story is what the blind men call Jesus when they see him coming. That, of course, they don't actually see him coming because he's, they're blind. But, so, but I do wonder, how are they following him around? Because they're following him and shouting him, and he goes into the house and they follow him in there. So they, they either have awesome hearing and really good skills with a you know, walking stick or somebody's helping him. But one way or another, they, they're getting around and they follow Jesus into this house. And when they, well, they hear he's coming, they hear about him, and you know they say, who is that? What's because they must have heard the crowds because crowds are always following Jesus. And they say, what's going on? What's the hubbub? And somebody who can see says, Jesus is coming. Oh, it's Jesus. And what do they say to him when they hear it's Jesus? Have mercy on us, which is kind of a strange thing to ask for somebody. Why would they say have mercy on us? Well, what do they call him when they they don't say, hey Jesus? What do they call him? Son of David. Which is another weird thing to say. Why would they say that? We haven't heard anybody else call Jesus the son of David in Matthew. So why wouldn't they just say, hey Jesus, can you heal us? Because that's what they really want. Their eyes are not working and they want to be able to see. They've heard the stories, obviously, that Jesus is healing people and doing miracles that, that people are able to, you know, girl came back from the dead and people are able to, their skin diseases are helped and, and a paralyzed man got up off a mat and walked well, maybe he can help our eyes to see again. Jesus, please heal us. Why wouldn't they just say that? What's up with them asking, Son of David, have mercy on us? Well, these guys are Jewish. And so they grew up like all the Jewish kids did, hearing stories about their Jewish history. And they learned about Abraham, I'm certain. And they learned about Moses. And they learned about King David and all these figures in, in, in their history. And, of course, when you go through David, you learn about the promises that, that God made to David. And this comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. And the Lord declared to you, he's talking to David through the, through the prophet. And the prophet says, the Lord declares to you that he himself will build a dynastic house for you. And when the time comes for you to die, I will raise up your descendant, one of your own sons, to succeed you. And I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will make his dynasty permanent and I will become his father and he will become my son. When he sins, I will correct him with the rod of men and with wounds inflicted by human beings. But my loyal love will not be removed from him as I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will stand before me permanently. Your dynasty will be permanent. So David had a number of different sons. But which son succeeded him on the throne? Solomon, yeah. And, so, and Solomon did build the temple. He said, you'll build a house for me. And Solomon built the temple. And it was, from what we hear, an amazing temple, just lavishly covered with gold and all sorts. Because Solomon had an, a great kingdom. He was very successful, made lots of money for, for Israel, and, and gained lots of territory. And so... Part of this promise, or part of these promises, are fulfilled in David's son Solomon. But not all of them. And Solomon's kingdom, it was very successful, but it certainly wasn't everlasting. 
Because right after him, actually, the kingdom split into two groups. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And both of them eventually came to an end because of their sins. They were worshiping false gods and idols. And, and eventually God allowed foreign nations to come and wipe them out. And so the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom were both conquered by foreign invaders. And, and so we know that Solomon is not the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy, of these promises that God made to David. So it, it does, obviously, talk, it's mentioning Solomon, but it's also talking about somebody else. So when you look at all the other prophets that talk about this, this king that was supposed to come from the line of David, you, it, you find out there's somebody else that, that Solomon, yeah, was talking to him, but there's also somebody else to come. There's this, this king, somebody coming from the line of David somehow, even though the nation was wiped out, and the, and the throne was put to an end that somehow this, this son of David is going to come to the throne and he's going to reign forever and ever. And he'd be called the son of God and he would build a permanent house for the name of God. So the son of David, we learn, is the Messiah. That the, Bible, that the Old Testament is talking about this, this Messiah who's to come, an anointed one. And that's what these blind men are talking about. They grew up learning these stories, and so when they say son of David, that's what they're referring to. This, this king who's come to come, this anointed one who's going to do these amazing things. And if, if you want to have an in with God, the Messiah is who you talk to. If, you know, hey, can you, you know, do something for me? Can you talk to God for me? Because he's the one who has the power to heal. And, and so the Messiah is who you need to talk to. So they're asking for mercy from the this this from God via the son of David have mercy on us through God and so the son of David the the, the Messiah is is supposed to be the one who comes to Israel and and takes power and restores the land and makes everything good again and he rules forever with justice and mercy and somehow we don't know how but somehow these blind men recognize this about Jesus they, they can see the truth about Jesus. They're blind, but they see something that nobody else can about Jesus. In fact, they're the first people in Matthew's Gospel to call Jesus by that title. Nobody else has called Him that. The blind men recognize that. They see who He is. And, and they, there's one point where Matthew he gives us a heads up about the Son of David that in the very beginning of the book, in Matthew 1.1, it starts out, this is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we get a hint that it's coming, but nobody's called him that except for these blind men. So as the reader, you and I know in advance who Jesus is. And Matthew is demonstrating why that is true, why he really is the Messiah, by sharing all these examples of what he can do. And, but Matthew's thesis starts at the beginning when he tells us that this is the son of David. And, he's, and so to prove his thesis, he's sharing all these examples of these stories of these amazing things that Jesus has done. And, and that he really is the Messiah. And you can see it from his, his authoritative teaching and from the miracles. And the rest of the book of Matthew goes on to support his thesis that he makes in the beginning. So everything in Matthew, all the things, the stories that we're reading, they're all meant to prove his claim that Jesus of Nazareth really is the Son of God, this, that, that He's the Messiah, this coming King. 
And, and he's the, the, the one that was promised by the prophets in the Old Testament. And as we read through the stories, we see, we watch how other people react to what Jesus can do when they're presented with this truth. And it actually reveals something about where their faith is or, or, or not. And, I'll, and we'll get to that. But the, the second story that we come to in chap, back in chapter 9 is at verse 23, or 32, and it's about a mute man. And they were going away, as they were going away, a man who could not talk and was demon-possessed was brought to Jesus. And after the demon was cast out, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowds were amazed. And they said, never has anything like this been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. So here's another amazing miracle. Jesus casts out a demon and he restores this man's voice. And the crowds are just completely stunned by what Jesus is able to do. They're blown away. They say, they, the blind guys can see who Jesus is. And uh, they, they see, um, you know, there's a, the blind guys can see, a mute man can talk, and you know, demons are being cast out, and the people are watching these impossible things happen before their eyes. And they're just blown away. And they're amazed. But not everybody is amazed. The Pharisees don't react quite the same way as the rest of the crowd. Those Pharisees, somehow, they can't see the truth right in front of their eyes. Their, their eyes work, you know, not like the blind guys. The, the blind guys saw it, even though they can't see. But the, the, the Pharisees, they just don't get it. And, and in all these stories, Matthew is telling us that you know, we see people who are dumbfounded, people who watch Jesus do these miracles. You know, he stops the storm. He brings people back from the dead. He... he cures skin diseases while people watch. And they're, they're just dumbfounded. And they're, and they're trying to figure out how can he do this stuff? Who is this man who can command the wind of the waves? Who is this man who can tell a little girl to, to wake up from the dead? What kind of person can do this? And, and it's impossible, but it's happening. And so they, they've got to just rewrite what they, you know, what they, how they view the world. Everything that I thought was po- impossible, I'm watching it happen. You know, there's no categories for this. But the, the first people to actually recognize Jesus as the Messiah, to see him for who he really is, is the blind guys. And you know, everybody else, they're stunned and they're trying to figure it out. I, I don't what's going on. Who is this guy? But the blind guys haven't figured out. Isn't that great? That the blind, you know, Matthew tells us the stories, the blind can see even though they can't actually see which is just kind of it's it's just a cool way that it's presented that and they can see what all the sighted people can't see in mark 8 when jesus is trying to teach his disciples a spiritual lesson by talking about the yeast of the pharisees the disciples are all thinking he wants some bread to eat because you know he had that miracle with the feeding the five thousand, and now they they all the bread's gone and now they're thinking well maybe he wants some bread and he says to them you guys have eyes, but you don't see. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the, um, this is a spiritual lesson about the Pharisees. And of course, it's not our eyes that keep us from seeing truth about Jesus. Like I said, there's plenty of evidence that points to Jesus. It's, it's our hearts and our minds that keep us from accepting the truth. It's a choice to accept the truth or reject it. And, and the, the blind men believe. They, they, they see the truth. They, they're they're 
Their minds are open to who Jesus is. And then we, we heard about doubting Thomas in the children's sermon. And Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet still believe. Well, that's kind of a picture of the blind men. They haven't seen and they believe. They've heard the stories and they trust God. They trust Jesus. And so that's one of the ways that people react to Jesus. Their hearts and their minds are open to the truth. And they accept it. They accept, yeah, Jesus has done some amazing things and, it, and he, he came back from the dead and he, he did these miracles and he taught with such authority. I believe that he really is the, the Son of God. And, and what does he say to the people who believe him, the, these blind men? When he, they follow him into the house, they say, do you believe I can do this? And they say, yeah. He says, well then let it be done according to your faith. And that's the same kind of thing that he says to, to just about everybody that he heals, right? Your faith has made you well. Because you believed and are open to the truth, well, that's why you're, you're healed. So one kind of reaction to Jesus is this, this open mind, this acceptance of who Jesus is, that he really is the Messiah, the Son of God. And then we see a different kind of reaction from the crowds. They watch Jesus heal the mute man and cast out the demon and they were amazed they were blown away and they said nothing like this no one's ever seen anything like this in the history of israel nobody's ever been able to to make broken eyes work and make broken voices work and do this cast out demons and it's true we don't see any miracles like this in the old testament there's there's lots of neat miracles in the old testament uh, and people were that you know sometimes people were given a temporary ailment, like they were blinded temporarily or made mute temporarily, sort of thing, and then it was taken away again. But we don't see actual people who started out with disabilities, like blindness or, or whatnot, being taken away in the Old Testament. That doesn't happen until Jesus comes. So there are no people who start out blind and then have their eyes fixed or who start out unable to speak and get their voice. So this is a new thing for the history of Israel. And as far as we know... Jesus is the first person in history who can actually give sight to the blind and do things like that. And even today, if you and I saw something like that happen, we'd be amazed too. We'd be blown away if we knew somebody who was blind, who spent their life or most of their life unable to see, and someone came up and touched their eyes and they could see again. We'd be shocked and awed. I know I would, and I'm I mean, I see, I've seen some amazing things happen in my life. Nothing quite like that, but I've seen people who the doctors have said, you've got cancer, you're going to die. We, we, we've tried to treat this, there's nothing we can do, and they were cured. It wasn't the doctors, it wasn't medicine, and somehow they, were, they had a miracle cure, and their cancer might happen to my grandma. She was said, given you might have weeks, at most you'll have months, and her cancer was gone one day. And, it was, and I've seen that happen to a number of people, or or, and I'm amazed by that. And, and even the people who, you know, they're injured. They, you know, they get a, like a spinal injury or something and the doctors tell them, you're never going to walk again. And those people use that, like that's their, oh yes I am, you watch me. And they work and they work and they get themselves to the point where they're walking and running and climbing. And I'm amazed by those stories. And sure, you might be able to, you know, explain that away with, you know, certain physical things that we don't understand. But I'm still amazed by it. And if I ever saw something like a blind person 
C or a, you know, a mute person whose voice box didn't work, able to speak, I'd be blown away just like the crowds. I, I would think that is awesome. And the crowds might not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, but they recognize there's something special going on. This is not an ordinary man. He's able to do things that are impossible. And, and so they, they might not know he's the Messiah, but they understand he's doing what no one else can do. And they say that. Nobody has ever seen anything like this in all of Israel. Nothing like this has ever happened. This Jesus guy, is his, he's in his own category. And I can't explain it. I don't know how he's able to do this, but there's something amazingly special about him. So if the blind guy's minds are open, and the, then the people in the crowd, their minds are just blown. They're staggered. And, and they can't even comprehend what, what they've seen happen. And then there's, so those are two kinds of responses. And then we see one more kind of response to what Jesus is doing. And we've seen this response before. And it often seems to come from the same kind of people. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the ones who are supposed to be the experts in the Scriptures. And they see Jesus miraculously healing people like no one else has ever done in all of Israel. And what do they say? He casts out demons by the ruler of demons. Now what a ridiculous conclusion to come to. Like why would the enemy want people to get better? The, and, and they're not seeing something different. They've all watched the exact same thing happen as everybody else has seen. They're seeing the same miracles, the same evidence. They, they can't deny that miracles are happening because they've seen it with their own eyes. They've been part of the crowds. But at the same time, they don't like Jesus. He's, he's got authority. He's got popularity. He's, he's got this amazing power. But they don't like Him. And so they can't accept that these people getting healed is a good thing. They've, they've made up their minds. It's, it's the kind of reaction that, sh- that you, some people, you've probably heard about the Mueller report. You know, they've been investigating Donald Trump for a couple of years about whether he colluded with the Russians in the, in the elections. And the Mueller report said, no, he didn't do that. And as a matter of fact, no Americans actually colluded to try to rig the election. And you would think that everybody would be glad that the person who's in the highest office of the land wasn't committing treason with another country to get into office. We should all be happy that our president isn't actually working with the Russians. But some people, it seems, to hate him so much that they wish he had. They wish he had done something bad so now he'd be in trouble for it and they could kick him out of office. And, and that's kind of like the, the Pharisees decide that Jesus, sure, he's done something good, but he, he can't be a good person even though we've seen people healed of their disabilities, we will not accept that he's a good guy. He, he must have been in partnership with the devil to make that happen. And, and people do this kind of thing all the time. We make up our minds before we actually... You know, even though we have the facts, we make up our... We refuse to see because we've already made up our mind. My wife made a, an awesome carrot cake for Ronan's birthday. He, he had turned three on uh, Friday. So... Delicious. It was, she had fresh carrots and, and apples and pineapple in it and she made real cream cheese frosting and just covered it all around and it was moist. Absolutely delicious. Wonderful cake. Like everything she bakes. And as a matter of fact, I have to work very hard to not grow twice my size because she's such a good cook. But our oldest boy, the, the same one who rolled down the stairs, is so skeptical 
of anything that is new and different. Then he heard that there were carrots in this cake, and he decided that a cake with carrots could not be good. I don't care. I, I refuse to accept that you can put carrots in a cake and make it taste good. And he didn't even want to taste it. He said, no, I'm not going to taste it. He run to the other side of the house. And we finally convinced him. She's, my wife said, you can have some candy if you just try it. Just taste it. And, but because he had already decided in his mind, this cannot be good, that's how it tasted to him. He had made his mind up ahead of time. And we've probably all done this before when we were kids. No, that uh, looks disgusting. And so he, he tasted the bite and he acted like it was the worst thing ever. He's going to choke and die. And, so, and that's the, the Pharisees. They have already concluded about who Jesus is. So they cannot accept that He is the Messiah. And it's, it's a choice to ignore the facts. And that's what the Bible says. They are willingly ignorant. That's what it's talking about. You choose not to accept the truth. There's truth there. There's evidence there. But you choose to say, la, 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 I'm not listening. You're being willingly ignorant ignorant and that's what the pharisees are doing it doesn't matter what kind of evidence there is or even what miracles happen right before your eyes some people close their minds to anything they that other than what they've already decided and that's the response of the pharisees to be closed-minded and we've seen the same kind of response from other religious leaders dealing with jesus they're supposed to be the religious experts they ought to be the first people to recognize that he's fulfilling prophecy that he's doing miraculous things that nobody else, that only God can do. And, and when, the, when the prophecies of old come true before their eyes and when, when, when he's able to tell people to get up off their mat and walk and calm the storm at sea, they can't accept it. They are so jealous of Jesus and his, his power and his authority and his popularity that they, they make up their minds he has to be a bad guy. This somehow, this has to be power coming from the enemy. And they, they, think, you know, they, they think they already know everything that they need to know about God and about who the Messiah will be. And they decide that Jesus, he's not only not on God's side, but he's, he's actually in league with Satan, working against God as a false teacher and leading people astray. And they've, they've made up their minds, and that's the truth, and they won't accept anything else. So we see these, these three very different responses to the amazing works of Jesus. Some people recognize Jesus for who he actually is because of the things that he's doing. The son of David, the Messiah. Some people are just in awe. They don't know what to think, but they know there's something amazing about this guy. He's, he's doing impossible things and they're having to rethink everything they thought they knew before and, and look at the world with brand new eyes. And then some people are just completely set in their ways they're refusing to, to, to accept change and to see what's happening right in front of them for what it actually is. So we have the open minds of the blind, the blown minds of the crowd, and the closed minds of the Pharisees. So Matthew has chosen to, to, to these stories to teach us more about Jesus and to show us more proof of, of who he actually is. That Matthew is saying he is the Messiah. Look at what's happened. And that he's, you know, he's the one that the Old Testament talked about. But he's also told us about the responses from the different people. That not everybody believes it. Not everybody accepts it. And, and, and this is because of faith. That faith has to do with whether we're willing to accept the truth or not. And he, he talks to the blind men about that. He, 
In fact, he talks to a lot of people about their faith when he does these miracle things. He actually he chastises the disciples for their lack of faith during the storm at sea. Oh, ye of little faith, why did you think we were going to die? I mean, don't you believe in me? And he, he praises the Roman centurion for his faith. He says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He, he wants his daughter healed in, in a remote location, and he doesn't need, even need me to go there. He believes that I can just want her to be healed, and she'll be healed. And that's amazing faith. And he often tells anybody he heals, he tells them, it's your faith that made you well. Like the paralyzed man who's lowered through the door, or through the rooftop, and the woman with the issue of blood. Your, go, your faith has made you well. So, the, so faith is a big deal to Jesus. And, he's, and we're learning from Matthew that it has something to do with faith, has to do with whether we're willing to accept what Jesus says. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? He says to the blind men. Of course we do. Why else do you think we're here? We've been trying to get into this house and talk to you. Of course we believe in you. And he says, well then, let it be done according to your faith. And faith is woven through these stories kind of like the, uh, an embroidered design in a piece of cloth. That, that in each one of these stories helps us to learn a little bit more about what faith is it's in the same way that, that these encounters help to paint a picture of who Jesus is. We also, each story teaches us more about what it means to have faith in Jesus. And it's actually that, that faith is the key to all these different responses to Jesus. They, they all come from faith or a lack of faith. And if the blind men and, and even the crowd help us to, to know what faith is, then the religious leaders help us to see what faith is not. And, and faith is not having your mind closed to what God is doing. It's The Pharisees have already made up their minds about Jesus, and as a matter of fact, they're so closed-minded that it doesn't matter what he does, they refuse to believe that he's the Messiah. So whatever faith is, it is not thinking that you already know everything that you need to know. If you've come to a point where you know what you need to know, you don't need to learn anymore, you don't need to accept anything new things, then that's not faith. The story helps us to see that part of faith is being open to God doing things that we can't always wrap our minds around. There are amazing things that we can't always explain or, or totally understand. And if you're going to learn from Jesus, then you have to be, to be open to new ideas. You have to be open to new ways of thinking about how the world works. God says, my thoughts are above your thoughts. And I'm going to teach you to, to see the world in ways that you have never even imagined. And Jesus has been teaching that it, this is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand, and it's totally different than what the world is used to. It's an upside down of what the way you are used to living. And if we want to be a part of that kingdom, we're going to have to change the way we think and the way we live our lives. That people who are his disciples, who live in the kingdom and advance the kingdom, think differently from the rest of the world. And we're called by Jesus to follow him. And he's going to show us, this is how you live in the kingdom, to live differently from the rest of the world. And our response to Jesus, when he tells us, follow me, our response to that, it's well, just like the different people in these stories. How do you respond? When Jesus says, follow me, make disciples, love your enemies, are you open to that? Are you open? Are you, do you trust him enough to follow him, to obey what he says, to believe that he says this is what will bring you life, that you have to lose your life to gain it? Do you believe it? Do you accept it? Will you live the way that he's called you to live? Will you love your neighbor? 
Will you love your enemy? Will you love them both enough to share the good news with him with, with them? Is your is your mind blown by the fact that Jesus was killed on a cross and then rose from the dead three days later? And, and that he really is the, the son of David, that the old testament, that the prophecies really did come true in Jesus, that they were that these amazing things Jesus did. Do you believe that he healed people and 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 that he rose from the dead? And do you really believe that he offers mercy, that he can forgive your sins if you believe that no matter what you've done or where you've come from, that if you come to God in repentance and humility, that he'll wipe away your past and you can live a brand new life? Or is your mind closed? Have you decided already that you know everything you need to know about Jesus and and you don't actually need to do what Jesus tells you to do? Where are you at? Apparently, some of my kids are still closed-minded when it comes to playing on the stairs. But hopefully, they will learn before their necks are broken. And it won't take the, the hard lessons of, of finding themselves rolling out of control. But how about you? Are you too closed-minded to repent of your sins and just leave it in the past, to walk away from it and start living the way Jesus calls you to live? Are you willing to trust God enough to obey Him and do that? to submit to Jesus. I don't want any of us to find ourselves wrapped up in our sins and spitting out of control down the steps into eternity separated from God. I hate that idea for anybody. So are we willing to say, I trust you, God. I'll do what you say. I'll follow you. I've got more to share on this subject that we'll dig into next week, but for now I hope that you'll that you'll think about that. And think about faith as being open to God, being willing to accept what Jesus says as truth. And when he says, live this way, follow me, tell other people the good news, that yeah, it will bring you persecution and trouble and, and you'll suffer because of my name. So it, it might not always be fun or easy, but it's good and it's worthwhile and you'll see the rewards of it. And God will cause everything to work together for your good if you love Him. And even though it's tough and, and the world is a hard place to live in for Christians, that if you, keep your, if you keep your focus, your priority on God, if you seek Him first, then He'll take care of all the other things. Do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to do what He says? To live the life that He's asked us to follow Him in? I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to do that, that. To believe He is the Son of God And that if you repent and believe and follow, that you'll be forgiven and given a brand new life and you can live forever in relationship with Him. All your sins can be wiped away and you can have a brand new life as a son or daughter of the King. So that's your challenge. Uh, I, I pray that you'll take it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have given your Son as a sacrifice for sin that our sin can be wiped away because of His completion of the work on the cross and that we can live a new life in relationship with You, that we can live a holy life, a good life, that, we, that You will fill us with Your Spirit so that we can do amazing... That Jesus said that You'll do greater things than I did, which is just mind-blowing. But God, help us to believe. Help us to accept the truth. Help our, our hearts and our minds be open to your word and your truth 
and to follow you with, with humility and obedience. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.